So when you hear the words, he had good intentions, or she had good intentions, what's the first thing that goes through your mind? Oh, they, oh, they just made it worse. Whatever it was, it was worse. Or I can't believe they did that. I can't believe they said that. You know, you're in the middle of a job or working on something, and you know somebody comes over and says, hey, let me help, and they jump right in, and they have no clue what they're doing. They had good intentions. They had good intentions. Somebody comes up to you and says something. And for whatever reason, it just cuts you to your heart. It hurt. But they had good intentions. They meant it to encourage you or to strengthen you. or so, But the, good intentions. So often, people have good intentions and it just doesn't go well. And when I hear those words, oh my goodness. So even with the title of my message this morning being, God's intentions are always good. It's a shorted version of what it probably should have said. And it should have added, and it always turns out good. Always turns out good. We can look into Romans chapter 8 where it says, And we know all things work together for good for those who love God and those who have been called according to his purposes. They work for good. They may not seem good at the time, They certainly may not feel good at the time, but for those who believe God and are called according to his purposes, it will work out for good in their lives. So God's intentions are always good, and what he intended is always good. We're looking at Psalms 23, and I shared this with the group that was praying before the church service this morning. I had a whole, another series planned for kicking off the new year, and it was from Proverbs. And then the last week, between when we had been here, I felt this urge to go to Psalms 23. And, you know, you ever kind of drag your feet with the Lord? Let's put it that way. That sounds nicer than not listen, right? I was like, Lord, everybody knows Psalms 23. Everybody's familiar with Psalms 23. And this morning when Alan was praying, and I don't even remember the specifics of what he was praying, but he said in 2023. And as soon as he said 2023, the Lord just kind of lit a light bulb in my little brain and said, Psalms 23 is for 23. 23 is going to be a year when my church needs rest, restoration, and guidance. And the 23rd Psalm is all about those things. We get so familiar with, as I said last week or a few weeks ago, we can sometimes miss because of the familiar. We want to make sure that we don't miss just because something's familiar. In Psalms 23, we need to be reminded of, and you maybe even get tired of, the imagery of a shepherd. I want to mention a little book called A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. How many of you have heard of it? I would encourage you if you want to read it's not a very long book but it's awesome and i am using a lot of his material today and probably next week because i'll never get through today what i have on my paper (laughs) but he the imagery that the lord uses in the writings of david of of sheep the flock and the shepherd there is so much we can learn there's a reason the lord calls himself the good shepherd and he refers to us as sheep and 
it sounds so sweet, but it's not always such a great compliment to be called a sheep. We'll talk about sheep and a little bit how difficult they are. I remember growing up, my dad, we raised hogs and cattle, and they were ornery and stubborn, and he said, this is nothing. We could have sheep. I said, what do you mean? He says, sheep are just living long enough to find a place to die. So I don't pretend to know everything I'm going to talk about, except I've read a lot of this in this little book, A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. And in it, we're going to see the Lord's intentions through David's heart and through his experiences as a shepherd working with sheep to show us how God's desire is truly to give us rest, to restore us. Yes, Christians need restoration. And then to guide us. And this is what David lived off of, these truths and these promises. So the 23rd Psalm, verses 1 through 3, we may not even get through three verses today, but it should be on the screen. Is it up there? Yep, good. Then you can read it with me. Ready? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Rest, restoration, and guidance. So we're going to be looking at rest, first of all. And it's interesting, coming off of our uh, pastors and spouse retreat, it was all about pace, rest, Sabbath. And it was how we were to really connect with the pace of the Lord and move along at his pace instead of our pace. Now, in our culture, I don't know about all of you, but I know how it can be for so many of us. Um, We're so busy. We are so busy running around with our calendars full, too full, actually. Um, All of the responsibilities we have day to day in our life, and if there's a spare moment or spare hour, we stick something else in there. Then we go to bed at night and we lay there with our eyes wide open, exhausted, except there's no rest, there's no sleep. And physiologically for human beings, as well as animals, actually, benefits of rest are amazing. Rest reduces our stress, reduces our anxiety, gives us a better mood. Anybody want rest? Any spouse want rest for their spouse? Gives us a better mood. It decreases our blood pressure, helps give relief to chronic pain. Immune health is improved. A stronger cardiovascular system, and you could just go on. And we see this in livestock and in sheep, rest. But the reality is in the case of sheep, and I would offer so much so as also for us as human beings, The rest that the sheep receive depends on the shepherd. With a good shepherd, the sheep will get rest. With a shoddy shepherd, a careless shepherd, they will not rest. Because there's four things, according to this wonderful little book, that sheep need to be able to rest. And I think the application to our lives as human beings is crystal clear. First of all, for a sheep to rest, they have to be free from fear. Free from fear. Sheep are a skittish animal. I mean, you can have a flock of sheep and they seem calm and a, and a rabbit jumps out behind a bush and runs, the sheep are gone. 
dog barks, sheep are gone. They need to be free of fear. The presence of the shepherd in the midst of them, just walking around, is where the sheep feel free of fear because they know they can trust the shepherd. The sheep know the shepherd's name. He recognizes their voices. They know him. So with the the shepherd in the midst of them, the shepherd's presence is what removes the fear and allows them to rest. the, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside the green pastures. The green pastures. Yes, there's the nourishment side of it. Did I have a picture of the sheep up there? Doesn't that look nice? I mean, it's like, oh, that's the kind of rest I want. Where you actually just rest. Your body's being refreshed. Your mind is being refreshed. And when you get up from that rest, you feel so good, so strong, strengthened, even in your rest. In the Christian life, for you and I, there is no substitute for the presence of the shepherd to give us rest. To remove uh, the fear that can so easily come upon us. The fear that will cause us to lay there tormented in our mind even as we're supposed to be trying to rest. In the Christian's life, when we really sense the presence of the Lord when it comes to fear, it, it drives that fear out. It drives out the panic. It drives out the anxiety when we know His presence. And the Holy Spirit has been given to us to live in us and to accomplish this so we can know His presence, sense His presence. We have those promises in the Word. He's always there. He's always walking with you. He's never going to forsake you. He's never going to leave you. You're never going to be abandoned. All things are going to work for good as long as I keep my eyes on Him and sense His very real presence. Why is it so hard? Because life is so uncertain. I mean, man, have you ever had those days where you're just smoothly going along and everything seems great, and then something happens? It could just be a phone call. It could be something breaks that you're working. Something happens, and all of a sudden your world's turned upside down. And it can happen just in a moment. So as Christians, we need to be be really aware of the fact that when things fall apart, the shepherd's still got things under control. He's still there for us. We don't need to fear. We don't need to be afraid. Psalms 4.8 says it this way, I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Boy, doesn't that so- just sounds good when I read it. You'll just lay down in peace and you'll sleep because I'm with you gives you an assurance. And as I said, it's the presence of the work of the Holy Spirit. In 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, God did not give us a spirit that makes us afraid, but a spirit of power and love and self-control. And that is a mind that is at ease, at ease and at peace. The Holy Spirit is there. His presence is real in our lives. For the sheep, they need to be free of fear. We need to be free of fear. Second thing that he says they have to be free of is tension. He uses the words tension, rivalry, and competition. 
How many of you have heard the phrase pecking order? Probably all of us, right? What's that mean, a pecking order? You get a group of people, you get a group of animals together, you put them in an area, and sooner or later, there's going to be a leader of the pack. And there's going to be a pecking order. And how do they determine the pecking order? Well, with sheep, like a lot of livestock, there's a lot of button heads pushing aside, ramming each other, one another. You need to be constantly aware of protecting your turf, so to speak. And it brings on this anxiety, this this competitive thing that is in the life of a sheep or in the midst of a human being, people. He makes me to lie down. In the Christian life, we need to know who he is who we are in his eyes, and what his desires for us is. We do not have to impress anybody. We do not have to get so wrapped up in keeping up with the Joneses next door. We don't need to worry about the competition in the workplace. We just need to know that the Lord is with us and who we are, how much he loves us. We are his children. That doesn't mean we get lazy and sloppy. No, we always want to do everything as if unto the Lord to bring him glory. But we don't need to get caught up in that mindset that creates anxiety and tension in our lives. I will lie down in peace. The pecking order, there's a picture of it in Ezekiel. I want to take the time to read these two verses. In Ezekiel chapter 34, keeping the sheep thing in mind, he says, I will feed my flock. I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek what was lost and bring back what was driven away. And I will then bind up the broken and strengthen what was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong and feed them in judgment. Notice he's still going to feed them in judgment. The bullies in the flock. He's going to go and get the ones that have been wounded and driven away and hurt. But he's going to take care of them. Therefore, says the Lord God to them, Behold, I myself will judge between the fat and the lean sheep. Because you have pushed away with side and shoulder. You've butted all the weak ones with your horns, and you'd scattered them abroad. Therefore, I will save my flock, and they will no longer be prey, and I will be judged between the sheep and the sheep. They can't lie down and rest because they've got to stand their ground. There's a constant awareness, a constant competitiveness, and it all of a sudden can even turn back into to fear. This struggle that we see or hear talk about with a group of animals like sheep is so real in our lives. And it's so almost part of our culture and normal life that we don't even realize it's taking place. This idea of competition, this idea of matching up, meeting somebody's expectations. That thing that's in us called fear of rejection can just cause us to go crazy with striving, striving, striving competing, got to win. And there's no rest until that fear is gone, taken away. With the herd of sheep, according to the shepherd, all you have to do is have your staff and be walking around amongst your flock and the bullying stops. picture that came to my mind was a classroom with no teacher in the room. Oh my goodness. There's a bully in the room. And then he's got his little group of followers who are going to all make their presence known. 
we're in control, we're in charge. And then the teacher just opens the door and walks in. Quiet. Settles in. The bullying stops. And to me, that's a picture of when we really sense the presence of God, the Good Shepherd, the Holy Spirit in our lives. All of that stuff can stop if we could keep our eyes on Him and enabling us to actually rest. Again, it comes back to, do I know what the shepherd thinks of me? Do you really believe how valued you are in his eyes? Just as you are. Some of us are still trying to get good enough for God's pleasure. Jeez, give it up. It's never going to happen. Our striving prevents us from feeling his presence in the way that he wants to reveal it to us. He just wants to love us. He wants to give us rest. He wants us to be at peace. The shepherd, when he's present, we can find contentment. I mentioned last week, when it comes to contentment, it should be the hallmark of a Christian's life. We're content. We're not lazy. We're not complacent. We're content. There's a big difference. Are we content when we understand the shepherd's presence and what he thinks of us? We can be content. Third one. What the heck is this one all about? For sheep, they need to be free of parasites and insects if they're ever going to be content. Now, you may or may not have seen a herd of sheep, but I've, I've seen or a flock of sheep, but I've been around even just cattle. Man, when the flies are bad, those poor cattle, their horses, whatever it is, man, they're constantly kicking their legs, kicking their feet. Their tails are going 100 miles an hour. They can hardly stand still because of the parasites and the insects that are just totally tormenting them. So it's impossible for the sheep to lie down and rest. What do you do? What, what are the sheep going to do about the pests? Nothing. They're going to kick. They're going to wag their tails. They're going to rub against anything and everything, but they certainly aren't going to lay down and rest. What's it going to take? It's going to take the shepherd. What's bugging you? You ever go to bed at night totally exhausted, and it seems like the moment my head hits the pillow, the mind starts going even faster and faster, especially if there's something that's been bugging me? some insect, some parasite. Usually it's a person. (laughs) And, And not because they're a bad person, it's because of what's going on. And you lay there. I mean, if I, I sleep, anytime I have a sleepless night, you can, I can almost bet it's because I'm thinking about something that's going on in the church and in the life of somebody from the church. Almost without exception. It's bugging me. Like it's my church, and I'm supposed to fix you. But imagine if I could possibly care enough that it's bugging me or have the compassion that it's bugging me, and I'm this flawed creature called Mike. Can you imagine what it is when we have a perfect Heavenly Father? What's bugging you? The only thing that's going to relieve us from what's bugging us, once again, is the shepherd. The shepherd has to take care of his sheep. 
we could read about putting the oil, anointing him with oil. We could read all about these different things. But the shepherd takes care of his sheep. That's the only way that they're going to be free of the parasites. He's got to have them on good pasture, good ground, fresh water. Got to put insecticides, whatever it takes. And we have the good shepherd. What do we need to do? We just need to get to this place. And I'm a slow learner, so sometimes it takes hours and hours of laying there with my eyes open. And the longer you lay there with your eyes open, what happens? I don't know about you, but I get just more ticked and frustrated and anxiety and, geez, I need to sleep. I need to surrender. Lord, this is beyond me. You're the shepherd. It's your church. They're your children. You're the shepherd. God, take this from me. Forgive me for trying to take on something that I can't fix. I surrender totally to you. You'll quit bugging me because you're turning to the one, the only one, that can give you peace and rest. The fourth one, fourth thing that they need to be free of, freedom from hunger. Now, that doesn't mean you may have to have a great big snack right before you go to bed. Now, if you do, you'll look like me. (laughs) Cindy says, we finish supper. He says, how long will it be before you eat again? (laughs) About an hour and a half. (laughs) But it's not because you're hungry. Free from hunger. You know, it's interesting. When you think of the greatest sheep countries in the world, a lot of them, guess what? They're mountainous or semi-arid climates. You look at some of these things in the Middle East where there's all kinds of sheep, and you look at and you look, what in the world are they living on? If the sheep are hungry, they're never going to lie down and rest. They're going to keep walking and moving and looking for something to nourish them, something to feed them, and they're not going to rest. And the only way that they're going to once again get fed is because of the shepherd. The shepherd knows where he can feed his sheep. He knows what they need to eat. He can meet their needs. No one else. Same thing with us as human beings. I don't know how to explain this exactly, but in most countries, or even here, and if you have sheep, you know this better than I, and you better be able to manage your pastures. A lot of work can go into preparing the ground for your pastures. In those countries where it's rocky and arid, they may have to move all kinds of rocks and boulders, and that's what they use to build their little corrals for their sheep. They've got to prepare the soil, and then you've got to count on rain. Around, and you've got to rotate. You've got to move your sheep from field to field, or pasture to pasture, hillside to hillside, so they don't overgraze for a whole bunch of reasons. But if they're hungry, they keep going. They keep looking. They keep walking. Sometimes the Lord, the Good Shepherd, has to remove some of the things in our lives so that we can truly feed on the Word of God the way that He wants us to. Sometimes there are things in our lives that are going to require um, a little bit of pain, a little bit of discomfort in our lives. Maybe there's some things of unbelief that need to be rooted out. Maybe there's some bitterness in our hearts that the Lord has to deal with. Maybe there's all of these things that, you know, uh, the human heart can be a prideful, hard thing. And that ground needs to be broken up. So sometimes the good shepherd has to bring these things or allow these things into our life so that we can 
feed on his word. And if we give it any opportunity at all, it will take root in our lives. And when the word of God gets into our lives, there is a sense of peace and contentment that comes. With sheep, much like us human beings, if we want true rest, we need to know shepherd and we need to know his presence and we need to know that his desire his intentions for us are always good and to rest there's something else that we see the good shepherd leads him beside the still waters the still waters and you could go into most of us know how important water is in any living organism but they need good water Sheep need water. The sheep are thirsty. They will become restless. They're not going to rest. Now, sheep actually can go a long time without water as long as there's morning dews. It's amazing what they can do. But they still need the water if they're ever going to rest. And the interesting thing about sheep and a lot of other animals, and I think you'll see a correlation to human beings, the sheep aren't going to go find the good water, the pure water, those quiet, still, pure waters, they're going to go wherever they can find water and start drinking it. Doesn't matter how full of parasites it is. Doesn't matter what, how dirty and filthy it is. They're going to start drinking that water. Only the good shepherd will lead them to the good water. The water that will quench this insatiable thirst that they have. Now, what about us? What about people? What are we thirsty for? What ponds do we drink from? What pools do we drink from? If we're not following the shepherd, we're going to find places to drink that aren't so good. The Bible's pretty clear to us that the only place that we are going to get refreshed is by the Word of God, by the Holy Spirit, by the Good Shepherd. It's the only way we're going to get refreshed. You know, when you look at the history of the earth's religions, pagan cultures, witchcraft, all the cults, human philosophies. What are they searching for? They don't know it. They're they're searching for God. There is something in the human being. We are created with this void that only God can fill. And that void is there. And we're going to try to fill it. And we're going to go drink out of the the pools, the ponds of alcoholism, drug addiction, sexual stuff, work, recreation. Now, not all these things are bad, but if that's where we're thinking is going to fill that void in our life, quench that thirst, we are in big trouble. There's only one thing. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled hungering and thirsting for the righteousness of the Lord that's given to us because of what Christ did on the cross. He leads thee beside the still waters. Pursuing water from other wells. There's a scripture in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13 that gives you a very clear picture. It says, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, 
and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Human beings are stubborn. Can be very hard-hearted. And we turn to the indulgences of the world because we're digging our own cistern. This will finally satisfy me. That didn't work. I'll try this. I'll try this. And we're running around and there is no peace. There is no rest. There is nothing but fear and anxiety when the only thing that will solve that thirst is the living waters. Wouldn't it be nice if we were smarter than sheep? No wonder he calls us sheep. And he restoreth my soul. We'll probably stop after this one, I think. First of all, who's writing this psalm? David. David was a believer. He loved God. Why in the world is he writing, he restoreth my soul? Aren't we as, supposed, as Christians? We're not supposed to need to have our soul restored. We're supposed to have our act all together. We're supposed to be good, right? Wrong. He's restoring our soul. It happens. We can become so distressed in our soul that we need restoration. All of us can fall into that. All of us do, will, or have fall into that place where we need this restoration. I'm going to read from Psalm 42, and it's kind of a long scripture. I hope you can read it. I didn't know how much, how much, how small. There we go. I guess you can maybe see it. Why are you so cast down, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God for all, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is within me, a prayer to the God of my life. And I say to the God, my rock, to say God to my rock, God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? I mean, doesn't this seem like this is a schizophrenic writer? I'm going to praise him. I'm going to sing to him. He's with me all the time. Why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony. My foes taunt me and saying to me all day long, where's your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. It's one of the things I love about the Psalms. Very transparent, and it always comes back to, I'm going to praise him no matter what. But he gets depressed. He gets cast down. And there's such an interesting picture in sheep, once again. Surprise, surprise. Cast sheep. Ever heard of a cast sheep? Well, it almost looks funny, except it's very deadly. A sheep that is cast. Got a couple pictures of a couple different sheep that are cast sheep. Now you say, what in the world is that sheep doing? It got comfortable. Found a little hole, dip in the ground. What a nice place to lay down. But if sheep get too far over, they can't get up. They are cast down and they are going to die relatively soon if the shepherd doesn't come and rescue them. If the shepherd doesn't come 
and get them turned over. And sometimes they've been there too long. Everything's messed up in their body because of the gases from the rumen. Their circulation's bad. He's got to stand there and straddling him, holding him up, rubbing their legs to get him going again, getting him ready to go because they have been cast, cast down. Second picture, out in the middle of the pasture. It's the weirdest thing. It's like, God, why did you make a sheep like this? If they lay down and get rolled just a little too far over, it's like they can't get back on their feet. They're cast down. Now, I don't know about you, but there have been moments when I felt cast down. Like, yeah, if you could see me, my feet would probably be going just like that. My arms would be flailing and it's like, I don't know what to do. I'm de- depressed. I'm sad. I'm putting the words if you've ever been cast down. You know what it's like. And, and, and the real, one of the real dangers here is the sheep will just die on its own if it doesn't get put upright, if the shepherd's not watching. But the shepherd's not the only one watching the sheep. The predators are watching the sheep. The vultures are circling. The wolves or the dogs are watching. That cast lamb, cast sheep, is totally defenseless. And when we get cast down, we are vulnerable. That's why peace and rest are so important. When we get weary, heavy burdened, we need to get that to the Lord because the enemy knows that we're weak, we're weary, we're fatigued. Next thing you know, we're so cast down, we can't get out of that place. The shepherd comes to rescue us. It happens so easily. The first picture, the comfortable spot to lie down, a little rounded hollow, and they're in trouble. And sometimes we as people can get that way. We want to get comfortable. How many of you want to get comfortable? I want to get so comfortable. Man, if we just had more money, a fancier car, bigger house, nicer clothes, man, it'd be so easy to be so comfortable. And with that comfort, it's going to often come a spiritual void because we are so comfortable. 1 Corinthians 10, 12, it says, So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Be careful. Anybody can fall. Anybody can become cast down. Obviously, we turn to the shepherd. There's another reason that sheep can get cast, and this is if their wool gets too long and gets filled with burrs, sticks, stuff. There's no way. They lay down just a little too far. They they cannot get out because of the fleece so full of mud or manure or or cockleburrs or any of these things. And it's interesting in the scriptures how often you'll see wool is in reference to the self-life I mean, even going to the Old Testament, you know, the, the priest, you can't wear anything mixed wool and linen together. There's this interesting picture of purity in the self-life. Man, our self-life can get so burdensome, we become cast down because we, again, don't need the Lord. The accumulation of things, our possessions, 
philosophies of the world, all of these things, they begin to weigh us down and hold us down. What does the shepherd do if he finds a sheep like that? Cut the wool as quick as you can. You got to remove a lot of stuff so that the sheep is safe. Can survive. Sometimes we may have to be sheared a little bit to get our attention. You know, the Lord is very clear that He disciplines those He loves. And sometimes it feels like disciplining when really what He's doing is just rescuing us. His intentions are always, always good. And the last one, I'm going to close with this one. Sometimes the sheep are simply too fat. And we're like sheep, and I don't mean too fat physically. Thank God. But we can be, the extra weight, they can't move. They just tip over and they lay down and they want to stretch a little bit and it's like, oh, shoot. I can't get back up. Whatever they've been consuming, it's either been too much or the wrong ration or something. It's the consumption and what they're consuming that would cause them to become at danger of becoming a cast sheep for us Christians we can become I'm sure you've heard the phrase uh, he's a fat cat what does that mean you don't have a picture of a cat in your mind do you he's a fat cat you think he's a successful guy he's a big shot he's a great businessman he's wealthy he's all this all that he's this the other thing all of those things if we're consuming only those, if that's what we're trying to live off of, we can easily come to that place once again because of our material successes. We don't have any needs. You know, we sometimes look at people in third world countries and think, man, they've got more faith. How can we see signs and wonders and miracles over there? Guess what? They got nothing else. We got everything. What do we need God for? You know, sharing Christ with a very wealthy, successful, intellectually brilliant person. How many of you know that's a little bit of a challenge? They don't need God. Look at you Christians. I got a nicer this, a bigger that. We'll go down the list. My marriage is even pretty good. We need to be careful that we don't consume the wrong things. Once again, this good shepherd can put us in a spot that's a little uncomfortable at times to get us back in a place. You know, the Lord disciplines always with a motive of restoration and drawing us closer to him. As parents, there's a good lesson for us to be learning there. Scriptures you're probably familiar with, Revelation 3.17. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and don't need a thing. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Sometimes we find out in our place, we don't hear the door. We don't hear the knocking at the door. The Lord's trying to get our attention, trying to get our attention, trying to get our attention. I know one of the things that I've always been a, 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 a safety net in my own life, I guess I would maybe call it a safety net, was, you know what? Lord, keep me malleable, pliable in your hands because I don't want you to have to go get a bigger hammer. 
I want to stay malleable. I want to stay pliable. I need to know I need you all the time. It's what I need. You're what I need. Hebrews 12, 5 through 7. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Don't let that word punishes get to you. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as a son. Now, a lot of us, and that, that the theology can get really abused. But God's discipline is because he loves us and cares so much for us. He does not want us to end up like a cast sheep where we are vulnerable to the attack of the enemy in so many ways. We better stop. Got all the way to my first transition. I hope you you take time to read through the 23rd Psalm like you've never read through it before. Trying to picture and imagine this from the shepherd's point of view. Try and see what application David by the Holy Spirit is trying to teach you and me about our own lives. We need rest. We need peace. We need to be drinking from pure water. We need to be consuming the only thing that will fulfill our soul and satisfy our soul, the Word of God. And sometimes all of that takes Good Shepherd and the Holy Spirit lives in us, pointing us to Jesus. And He will lead and guide and direct us as we see as we continue into the next verse. He leads me. He guides me. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that You will speak to each one of us by Your Word, by the Holy Spirit. God, that we would find that place where we know and radically acknowledge we need you in every way, in everything, every day. That you truly are a good shepherd who desires nothing but the best for his flock, for his children. Help us to see those things in our lives that maybe need to be sheared away. Show us those things in our lives that we need to maybe remove from our diet that are distracting us, drawing us away from you. God, let us never be like those who dig their own cisterns that can hold no water. God, give us grace to hear your Holy Spirit, to repent where it's needed. Give us the grace to truly see you as you are, how much you love us and how much you care for us. You restoreth our soul. God, that we would not have an accurate picture of you when it comes to those times when we are so overwhelmed, we get frustrated, question you and challenge you. And then think you're going to somehow or other turn away from us because we're not good enough. But that you are like that good shepherd when they seize a cast sheep. He runs to the rescue and will do whatever it takes to nurture us and love us back to health. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would use this, use these words, use the Psalms that David wrote, that we might be refreshed like he was refreshed. Pray you'd watch over us as we go, keep us safe. Pray that we would give us 
opportunities to share the hope that's within us with those we meet. In Jesus' name, amen.